This podcast is sponsored by Monarch Money. Are you saving to reach your financial goals? Reaching those goals isn't just about getting more money, but by managing what you have. And the best way to manage your money? Monarch Money. Monarch Money is a new kind of finance app that's intuitive, powerful, ad-free, and takes the headaches out of budgeting. Try it free when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Monarch puts all your accounts, investments, transactions, and finances at your fingertips. With a complete view of your finances, you'll gain insights on your spending and find new ways to save. Plus, Monarch lets you customize your dashboard, collaborate with your partner, set custom budgets and goals, and track your progress toward them. See why Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and loving it, and why the Wall Street Journal named Monarch Money the best budgeting app overall. Get a 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash podcast. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash podcast for your free trial. monarchmoney.com slash podcast. Live from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, by the way. And uh, we're on all the social media, at Rich Valdez. Happy Monday. It's glad to be back in studios. Terrific being on location at CPAC on Friday. I hope you enjoyed that program and some of the insights we got from uh, the guests that were uh, on Radio Row. But lots to discuss today. We've, uh, we now have some audio clips that we could bring you of uh, Trump's speech. Of course, that is El Trumpito Donaldus Magnus, the 45th president of these United States. And uh, lots, of, uh, lots of news out there. Um, we're going to get to the Trump audio in a second. But I want to just share a, a quick headline with you. One third of Biden's 2020 voters now say that they don't want him to run again. <laughs> you got to love that. This is, uh, you know, when your friends don't like you, you know you got a problem. And I can relate to that. I've got friends of mine that don't like me. So <laughs> I, I understand. In many ways, I relate to Joe El Baboso Biden. But I think he's um, he's a little bit worse than me. And I, we'll talk about CPAC uh, as we go throughout the evening. And, and we'll uh, look at Trump's speech. But there's there's other things that I want to talk about. Because Biden's back out there. And he's he's talking about a lot of things. I mean, uh, he's he's got this um, this go-to line that he has where he says that, you know, I marched in Selma. And then he says, I, I never marched in Selma. <laughs> you, know, you, you, know, you never know exactly what's going on with Joe El Baboso Biden. But I can tell you, he, he's, a, he's a skilled politician in that he's, he's old, he's shaking hands with the sky he's, or with the Easter Bunny, and, and, and he, he's all over the place, yet people still give him the benefit of the doubt. People still want to listen to what he has to say. Now, there, there was a lot of great speeches at CPAC, uh, the Conservative Political Action Conference, over the weekend. And um, we brought you some of the, um, the participants and, and speakers and whatnot. Uh, but everybody was waiting for El Trompito, Donaldus Magnus, right? And I think it's important to, to note that I know that uh, Governor Chris Christie, who was a former boss of mine, I worked in the Christie administration, 
He made some comments, and I don't know if we have the audio. I don't think we do. Uh, but he made some comments over the weekend on ABC News where he said that um, only the people that were speaking, at, the only people speaking at CPAC were the most desperate people and that it had become TPAC or Trump PAC. And I, I found that to be in poor taste, and uh, I have to push back a little bit on that one because I don't think that was the case. I don't think that the uh, it had remarkable speakers, not because I was one of the speakers um, that helped kick it off on Wednesday, but it was it had nothing to do with that, really. I'm just saying I think what, what was being discussed was important, as in every other uh, CPAC in, in history, right? They, they've always bring uh, brought the some of the um, fiercest culture warriors and people that are in the know to the forefront to discuss what's going on. So it, it seemed to me that Governor Christie, and this is not an attack or a rebuke per se, this is more just uh, trying to correct the record. Because what I believe happened is I know Governor Christie wasn't there. I, I didn't see him. He didn't attend. And I think he's basing his opinions off of clips of audio that he's being fed by his employer, ABC News. And again, he has to react. I've done television spots before. So you go on TV, they show you some video and you react. The, the difference is that, you know, I kind of do this stuff all day. So I'm always watching. And even if you show me a clip, I might have probably seen that clip already, either in its entirety or when it happened in real time, or at least I have a better understanding of the context of the clip. So I think he sees a clip and he starts saying, look, the room was half empty. You know, listen, in any of these conferences, the way these conferences are styled, there's Radio Row. People are running around doing interviews. There are people going in and out of the main auditorium or the main stages because they want to go to a particular breakout session where there's other rooms filled with hundreds of people. So there's a lot of movement, a lot of back and forth, walking up and down and whatnot. And it usually isn't unless there's a, a really big name or somebody a lot of people uh, really want to go uh, see or listen to that everybody kind of jams themselves into the, into the main room. So to take a picture of somebody speaking, let's, you know, whomever, you know, me, anybody else, where the room may not be filled to the hilt is unfair to take that picture and then say, oh, yeah, the room was half full. You know, Trump's losing support. It's just not accurate. You know, when when people get in line, you know, people so many people were there just to hear Trump speak. So, you know, if anybody has a doubt in their mind that the room wasn't jam packed. Uh, for Trump, I, I've been there several times with Trump speaking. Uh, it's always jam-packed. Matter of fact, you can't even walk away from your seat because you'll lose it. So I just thought that was unfair of him. Uh, it was. Um, it just wasn't appropriate. I wouldn't say appropriate. It wasn't accurate. And uh, I just wanted to say that because you know I took a little bit of a, a of a of offense to it, thinking you know, come on, that was it was. It seemed like a low blow, and it was unnecessary. And I, you know, I wish I had the audio to play it for context. I should have sent it. To, to the to the team in the studio, uh, but we'll get it for you eventually. But I did want to make that that statement and put that out there uh, because unlike everybody else who just hates people because they're moderate or they're rhino or they're this, I give everybody the benefit of the doubt. I really do. And I, I don't have to agree with you to be your friend. Remember, I'm a kid born to Puerto Rican parents. You know, my parents are born on the island of Puerto Rico. I'm born in Brooklyn. And uh, I grew up in Brooklyn and then the rest of my teenage years in Hudson County, New Jersey. So... I've been surrounded by people who disagree with my politics my whole life. <laughs> so if, if I was going to hate everybody that disagreed with my politics, I wouldn't have anybody to talk to. But I think you got to be fair. And I try to be as fair as I can be. Uh, but even though, 
you know, I get it. Everybody doesn't get it right every time. So I just wanted to point that out there. We're going to get you those clips of Trump uh, straight ahead. We're also going to discuss a few big stories or big topics today. Um, One of the things I want to talk about is uh, the news of the day. And uh, somebody that we saw at CPAC doing some excellent interviews for for Newsmax was their chief White House correspondent, uh, James Rosen. And he's got a brand new book coming out tomorrow on Justice Antonin Scalia's career. So I want to talk to him and get a little bit of uh, the scoop on that. Plus, we're going to talk a little bit more about this lab leak. On this program, over the summertime, when I was filling in for the late, great Jim Bohannon, uh, one of the guests that I brought on was a guy named Dr. Stephen Quay. And really smart guy. And he was saying that he believed that this virus likely leaked from a laboratory. And at the time, you know, it was like, you're a pariah if you say that. You know, if you didn't agree with with uh, the Fouchster, you know, and uh, there's no way it's from bats. You take the bat soup and it goes from one bat to the other bat to the humans. And then, it, you know, right. That was the, the going theory. Well, Dr. Quay was right all along and you heard it here first several months back. And uh, I want to bring him back so he can give us a scoop on exactly what's going on with that. Plus, we've got uh, our buddy Craig Bannister from CNS News who's got a lot to tell us. So uh, those are the folks that are scheduled to be with us. I think it's going to be an amazing show tonight. Great topics, lots of news, plus a lot of stories I'm going to get to uh, between now and our final hour for Open Phone America, which will be live and national. So give us a call, 833-482-5337, the number four, and my last name, Valdez. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America, welcome back. And like I said, there's been a lot of critique, a lot of criticism about America's largest uh, conservative political conference. And the real, the only reason I'm still talking about this, a, because I had a great time. It was really a lot of fun. But uh, I realize there's other news out there, and there's things I could focus my attention on. But I, I want to draw attention to this because I feel like you know the left, the Democrats, the progressives, uh, the Communist Party, Communist Party USA. I'm talking about. Uh, let's see. Um, there's so many. There's so many groups, right? Democracy Now. I mean, there, there's a ton of them, and they all have conferences all the time, and nobody says anything, right? Nobody says anything. Everybody lets them live. But once the conservatives get together for their big gathering of the year, and there's a few, you know, some are skewed younger, like Turning Point and whatever. But CPAC's been around since the era of Reagan, and it's it, it's solid. And speaking of Reagan, uh, there was. There was a, a competing, I don't want to say competing, but there was a, a, a similar event or a gathering in California, in Simi Valley, California, at the Reagan Library, uh, where uh, America's governor, Ron DeSantis, was um, giving a speech. And, of course, the media, our, our friends in the media, the left within the media, they decide to try to make this into something that it isn't uh, by saying that, you know, if Reagan had shown up uh, to CPAC, He'd be booed. Now, listen, there's a whole dinner dedicated to to the legacy of Ronald Reagan. It's called the Reagan Dinner, and it's on that Friday night of every CPAC. It's the biggest, you know, dinner that they've got. And and I just think to myself, they're so full of crap. Uh, But this is Matthew Dowd on MSNBC today. 
and he's having a conversation with Chris Jansing. And I want you to listen to this back and forth just a little bit, just enough to nauseate you. Check this out. What's fascinating is I watched you show that clip of Ron DeSantis, which he was at Simi Valley, which is obviously the home of the Reagan Library, is that if Ronald Reagan showed up at this CPAC convention, Ronald Reagan, their hero of the past, would be booed because of where he stood on bridging divides, where he stood on various issues. He would be booed today at that CPAC convention in the course of this. That shows you- Ronald Reagan himself boo? Right? He's not, he wasn't the kind of person who would do that, but would he, as his son suggested, suggested, I think Michael Reagan suggested this, be unhappy with what he heard in his library from Ron DeSantis? I think if Ronald Reagan had shown up and saw Carrie Lake, he would have thought he was in one of the movies in the 1940s, uh, one of the B movies that he starred in, that this is like, this can't be real, right? This is not real in the course of this. Carrie Lake, to me, is so uh, typical of where the Republican Party is. She's loved by the base. She says the craziest things, that they cheer her when she says the craziest things. She's still denying the election, uh, that she obviously lives in a state now governed by a Democrat. So this is the the exchange. Now, listen, I'm not going to take apart all of it, but I'll take a piece by piece here. Right. So they're saying that, you know, Reagan himself would be booed if he walked into CPAC. Let me tell you something. Uh, I I think this couldn't be further from the truth. And if you disagree with me, feel free to give me a call. 833-482-5337 or 833-4-VALDES with an S. This to me is, uh, as Joe Biden would say, it's malarkey. Come on, man. And the reason I think it's malarkey is because they like to focus on things like Reagan passed amnesty. Reagan got along with Tip O'Neill. Fantastic. None, none of those, I agree that there are people that would say that Reagan is weak. There are people that would say Reagan is a rhino. But to say that they're going to boo Reagan, I don't think that's true. I don't true. And I don't think those things are true of Reagan either. Uh, I think you do have to govern. You do have to to find that place. Reagan had an amazing personality and he has understood things and he understood how to lead. And he understood how the media was going to try and destroy you. And you, ha- you have to work with with the tools that you've got. But by no means would Reagan walk into CPAC and be booed. I mean, this is just to me more of the empty rhetoric that the left has to try and criticize absolutely everything. That's what's going on when uh, you turn on MSNBC. They're saying, oh, if Reagan was alive, he'd... Yeah, listen, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. The things I heard were about smaller government and mainly just keeping this country safe, right? I think Republicans are are on defense. I guarantee uh, that, you know, they're going to be on defense for a while until they can go on offense, uh, because the the left is moving very quickly in a different direction. And again, this doesn't mean every Democrat. Not every Democrat wants to have a drag queen story hour that they now call drag queen all age brunch. I mean, this is just an unheard of thing. It's unheard of to 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 entice children to participate in drag performances. In my opinion, it's unheard of. I never heard of that before. I, that was never a thing when I was growing up. It just wasn't how life worked. I mean, just call me crazy. <laughs> we didn't do it like that. So uh, when you have people that are pushing this and they're they're not aligned with the Republican Party, they're aligned with the Democrat Party. And when you have that type of alignment going on, you've got people that are going to throw everybody in 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 uh, all together, saying, "Oh, you guys are supporting this." Now, look, I, I'm not going to do that. I understand there's nuance here, but I also understand that that's not happening at CPAC. There was 
There was, uh, maybe there was one drag queen at CPAC that I saw, but outside of that, um, this is not something that's by and large embraced. Most people wanted to protect America from wokeism. They wanted to protect America from, from just about, uh, everything that, that many, or at least the noisiest on the left, um, seem to uh, enjoy and appreciate and participate. And, and this is part of the problem. So that's, you know, cue the audio for Trump walking in and saying, look, last time I told you that I was standing in the gap, I was there to protect you from this attack on you, from this attack on your family. And now he reiterated that promise saying that I'm not only standing in the gap, I'm your warrior. I'm going to make good on this for you. I'm going to get retribution for you. And it was incredibly well received. Listen to this. Their reign is over. Their reign will be over. And they know it. And America will be a free nation once again. We're not a free nation right now. We don't have free press. We don't have free anything. In 2016, I declared, I am your voice. Today, I add, I am your warrior. I am your justice. And for those who have been wronged and betrayed, I am your retribution. I am your retribution. Not going to let this happen. So now, again, somebody's going to listen to that and say, oh, my God, Rich, how can you support this guy? He's such a narcissist. He just said he is the justice. He just said that he's the retribution. He is this, this guy, and they don't get it, right? They don't get that so many Americans are desperate for someone to, to embody, to personify everything he just said. I, ter- I, I, I go across places. I go from here to wherever I go. I meet with people. I speak with people. And every last one of them, every last one of them says, you know, I want justice. I want things to be good. I want to make good on all these problems. I don't want my kid to be treated poorly because he's white. Or I don't want my kid to be treated poorly because they're whatever, uh, uh, this color or that color. Right? People don't operate this way. It's not even the world we live in. While there are realities of racism in America and and, and all over the world, this is not a uh, a problem that's extraordinarily prevalent. It's a problem that's extraordinarily manufactured, in my opinion, by the media. One that hasn't been allowed to dissipate. You know, it's kind of like it, it would have the dust would have settled a long time ago had we allowed it to settle. But this is where we are. We're in a state of affairs where the to, to say something like, you know, I'm going to hold people accountable. I'm going to get retribution for this stuff. I'm going to be that for you, which is what Trump meant. And for people to come at him sideways, to me, is just, it's unconscionable. And, and I think this is why people double down for him. And that's why they become so fanatic for him. Because they realize, you know what, he has to cut through the noise somehow. He's got to be able to connect with America one way or another. And business as usual isn't quite cutting it. So we're going to continue to listen to some of those clips of audio. We're going to also listen to the clips of audio that we have of uh, Joel Baboso Biden uh, saying that he went to Selma, he didn't go to Selma, and a lot of other things that he he was talking about. Plus, we've got some other clips uh, from from uh, the weekend where you know different people in different places uh, talking about all sorts of crazy things. And we'll talk about that. We got a little January sixth I want to throw in there too. So give us a call eight six six. 
888-484-8253-7 or the legacy line eight excuse me 866-505-4626 all right they're yelling at me to leave so you keep it locked right there we're coming right back don't go anywhere it's america at night i'm rich valdez Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Thank you, Rich, and thank you for everything. I know you very well, and I have I listen, but I have a lot of people that listen, and they love your show, and I appreciate it very much. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. It's Rich Valdez back in the studio tonight, live and national. Our telephone number is 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. Let's go to... Kim in Michigan on KDKA. Kim, go right ahead. Welcome. Thank you, Rich. Um, what I want to say about President Hi, well, about President Trump is um, the things he says are real. Um, his supporters, which is a lot of us out here, um, we believe he got cheated out of the last election. You know, by voter fraud, by you know, pandemic. Fraud and all all the reasons there were so many mail-in ballots, the unconstitutional changing of election laws in certain states. Sure, there's a lot. There was, I mean, you name it, they figured out a way to get it done. Yeah, and um, what I wanted to say is um, when he talks like that, he's talking to us. And whether you, some people might look at it as like uh, religious. Um, spiritual, whatever you call it, he really did come at a time when our society was going socialist, communist, and he, all the people I talk to that think like me, they say there's, they don't know any other politician that could have stood up to the four years of hell plus that's been going on since and before. They don't know another, as much as I like Ron DeSantis and other ones, um, there's no other one that we think could stand up to what President Trump was mm-hmm. put through. And just one thing I'm I'm saying is he deserves this next election because he got cheated out of the last one. But also because what do you call <laughs> well, him? Well, listen, senior- here's the thing. I, I agree with you on, on almost everything because I, I think it's um, – there's there's a lot of people that are out there that are supportive. Uh, I think Trump uh, is going to put his best foot forward. I think he's an excellent candidate. And and he uh, you know, we're not giving away elections. We're not coronating anybody. I think Trump is here to uh, you know, people ask me, do you think he's going to win? I say, I think this is his to lose. Right. Because he's he's well positioned to, to get this thing done. And and um, he, he's. He's got a plan. He's tried. He's tested. So I think you're you're on the right track. But with that, of course, comes enemies and comes critics and people that are going to come and try and knock you down and take that position because that's how it is everywhere. 
right? There's always somebody coming trying to build a better mousetrap, whether you're Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, or anybody else. There's always somebody at your heels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. So I, I just, and even I had a relative that passed away recently. We were talking about that. I said, it seems like he came at just the right time. You know, he, he, he oh, appeared. Yeah. You know what I mean? He, he came at a time when our country needed saving from the communists and the socialists, you know, and, and he, I know he's not perfect. I'm not perfect. Nobody is. But I'm I'm so proud that we had him for four years. And you're right. We're not going to give it to him because we're not a crown, you know, royalty or anything. But like you said, it's his to lose, you know, or, or win. But most people think he'll win it. I hope so. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. I, I think. I think he's best positioned. There was a straw poll at CPAC, and I believe um, uh, he came in 60%. The next closest candidate, I think, was uh, Governor DeSantis, coming in at 20%. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, he clearly was ahead of the pack. And, uh, and again, people, you know, people might want to criticize and say it was the Trump uh, convention. That's what happens when you have a lot of support, right? <laughs> people, you know, it, yep. it looks like everybody's in for one person. Uh, but the reality is, um, I think Trump's earned that. He's built that. He's he's created a base of support uh, and a base of enemies, right? And and he's he, he has yeah. to work through both. He's got to make sure he holds mm-hmm. on to his supporters, and he's got to make sure that he you know kind of fends off the the three different uh, entities. You got the Department of Justice that wants to indict him. You've got the New York City prosecutor Alvin Bragg that wants to pro- prosecute him and indict him. Uh, and you've got I forget her name, the the woman in Georgia who wants to indict him in that special uh, grand jury. And I, I'm listening to legal experts, and they're all saying they think those indictments are coming. And uh, that's going to, you know, really be the, uh, for me, the, the question. You know, will people stick through this? Will people say, you know what, I see through the the smoke and mirrors here. I see through what they're trying to do by weaponizing law enforcement to go after a political candidate you know, last time it was spying and they were talking smack. Now they're going to try and indict him to see if that could slow down the momentum. It's it's an ugly situation that we're in where they use these Stalin-like tactics that they once used back in the Soviet Union and other communist countries. And it's a shame to see that stuff being employed here, Kim. But I appreciate the call. I want to get to a, a clip of audio from Trump at CPAC because something you said reminded me of it. And it's uh, cut number 10 where Trump he vows to demolish the deep state once and for all. Check this out. With you at my side, we will demolish the deep state. We will expel the war mongers. They are people that don't get it, although in some cases they get it. They get it for their wallets. But we can't do that. We can't let that happen. We will drive out the globalists. We will cast out the communists. We will throw off the political class that hates our country. They actually hate our country. No walls, no borders, bad elections, no voter ID. We will beat the Democrats. We will rout the fake news media. We will expose and appropriately deal with the rhinos. We will evict Joe Biden from the White House. And we will liberate America from these villains and scoundrels once and for all. Once and for all. So listen, I, I from his lips to God's ears, I don't doubt him. I, I just doubt how um, how dead 
they can be eradicated, right? You know, how dead can the deep state, a deep state ever get? That's really my doubt. I think, you know, you, you knock off one swamp creature and like two more grow back in their place. And it's a swamp for a reason. But it doesn't mean we don't fight and it doesn't mean we don't try. And I think uh, that's what I take my hat off to Trump for, for fighting and for trying and for really, you know, he could fade off into the sunset like a real playboy, you know, and he chooses to to stay not so much in the limelight because, again, he's always been Trump. He's always in the limelight. You know, he could throw parties at Mar-a-Lago and at Trump Tower and do whatever and remain in the forefront, remain on page six, remain very popular with people. Instead, he's doing this. So for everybody who thinks he does it to feed his ego, I think you're you're so wrong. I think this comes at great personal expense. Uh, it's His entire family's invested in it. And uh, if they make money in the process, well, this is their new career. So I think that's a, that's appropriate. And I don't think it's wrong. But there's easier ways for Trump to make money. He doesn't have to do it this way. So um, when he says he's doing it for the right reasons, I, I, I tend to believe it. I err on the side of uh, I think he's telling the truth. Anyway, more to come straight ahead. Uh, we're going to talk about Chinese police stations in America we talked about that a couple of months ago, and uh, it's still going on. And there's a woman, I kind of let the cat out of the bag, I wouldn't say there's a person that has raped a child, 13-year-old child, 31-year-old, uh, sexually engaged with a 13-year-old. And it was a woman and a boy. And uh, interesting, no jail for her. So uh, we're going to get to that also. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America at Night. With Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, 833-4-VALDEZ. Let's go to an obscure town near Moorhead City, North Carolina, WTKF. Let's check in with our buddy Matt. Matt, go right ahead quickly. Hey, man, how you doing, Rich? Uh, Wonderful, brother. Happy Monday. Thank you, too. Quickly, uh, I'm telling you, all these people that voted for Biden, I don't get it. The election was stolen. Agreed. Trump complained about it too much. But we need Trump back to save the nation. That's what I told Tom. Yeah, listen, I think a lot of people shared your sentiment at CPAC. A lot of people uh, realized that Trump brought a certain bravado, a certain uh, experience, a certain tenacity, a certain love of country. There's so many things that are wrapped up in the, in Trumpism, in my opinion, that um, that he brings to the table that appeal to so many people, right? That's why you can go to like Allentown, Pennsylvania, a town filled with Puerto Ricans on the East Coast, and a lot of them are like, man, we miss Trump. You can go to Philly, and you start starting finding people. Again, he didn't carry Philly, but you're starting to find people in, in, in the oddest areas where, you know, uh, they're just going, man, if I only knew, you know, I miss Trump. A lot of people miss Trump because it was better. Even critics of Trump, I, I, where I get my uh, coffee in the morning, the Cuban place, this guy's no fan of Trump's. And uh, the other day I told him, I said, let me uh, just ask, answer me this honestly. Did you make more money when Trump was in office or are you making more money right now? And he said, no, 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 hands down. When Trump was in office, we were way busier. 
I said, of course, you didn't have to spend as much money on your food, on your coffee, on your energy prices, on anything. And uh, you, you were able to sell more of it. And he said, yeah, that's true. We had way more business. People were spending money freely. Now people are afraid to spend their money, scared money. And, and that's where we are, Tom. Uh, excuse me, Matt. I got you. Tom is your call screener. Yes, you said Tom, so you threw me off. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, the, the original call was about Kim from Michigan. I agree with her call. We need Trump back. Yeah, well, you you did pretty good yourself, Matt. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. And I want to get to this story. And I want you to, if you can, stay tuned because I think you're going to uh, appreciate the story. It's kind of crazy. Um, and uh, I want everybody's reaction to this one. This is a story coming out of, there's two of them. There's one out of California, and this one in particular is is coming out of uh, Illinois. Right? No, Colorado, excuse me. And this is about a woman that's 31 years old, and she engages in sexual intercourse with a 13-year-old boy. Now, listen, I don't know if this kid is tall or short, and you know, whatever excuse they're coming up with, uh, but... The age of accountability in most places is 16 or 18. In some places, if it's a violent crime and you're 14, they may try you as as an adult. This woman is the one that committed the crime here. The victim is 13. The fact that she walks away from this without serving a day in jail is unthinkable to me. But we've got a news report, and I want you to listen to this. A 31-year-old woman who admits to having sex with a 13-year-old boy and then becoming pregnant with his child won't face any jail time under a plea deal with prosecutors. 11 Call for Action investigative reporter Matt Kroschel is joining us live tonight. Matt, 31-year-old Andrea Serrano was facing sexual assault charges but accepted this new plea deal to stay out of prison. Adam Serrano gave birth to a baby boy. She admitted to having sex with that 13-year-old. The victim's mother, who we're not going to identify in this story, tells us she is not happy with this deal offered to a woman she says ruined her son's life. I feel like my son's robbed of his childhood. Now he's having to be a father. He's a victim, and he's going to have to live with that for the rest of his life. This mother says watching her son struggle with the reality he now faces breaks her heart. What has this been like for your son? Um, It's caused him a lot of depression. He's um, shut down a lot. Now she questions why this woman won't face prison time. Uh, I feel like if she was a man and he was a little girl, it would definitely be different. They would be seeking incarceration. And I feel like because she's a woman, they're not. They're having compassion for her because she was pregnant. But I don't think they take into play. Again, she was pregnant by a child. You know, that child was created from a sexual abuse. Under terms of the plea deal the suspect signed off on, she'll be required to register as a sex offender. And the judge could sentence her to 10 years to life of sex offender intensive supervised probation. But Serrano will avoid any jail time since the DA's office dropped the original charges to a lesser charge that does not come with mandatory jail time. What should other parents be looking for? Don't trust anybody, honestly. I mean, you can't trust anybody now. The victim's family says they are looking for the next steps in this case, and they'll actually ask the courts to give custody to the 13-year-old of this baby. Adam and Lindsay, what we do know is that Serrano has a 
uh, hearing coming up in May, where she will learn how much probation time she'll have. Currently, Serrano has full custody of the baby. <laughs> Is that not the most bizarre story you've ever heard? So not only does she do the wrong thing, has sex with this guy that's 13 years old, this kid, and now she's pregnant, but now she has sole custody of the baby that is his. I'm wondering, can she put this kid on child support so when he turns 18, can he now get in trouble uh, for not paying the child support? Because I just, I don't understand how this whole thing works. Uh, And I'm not trying to get him out of any obligation of being a dad. I'm just saying, you know, I agree with his mother. Uh, Being a dad at 13 sounds like a, like a, like the end of the road for this kid before it even starts. I don't know. Let me get to your calls and more uh, straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, let's go to our friend Sue listening in Pennsylvania on WDEL. Sue, welcome. Yes, this is a very interesting story. And, you know, everyone's saying if it was if she was a man, it would be different. But uh, what I might say is if she was white, it would be different. Do you recall Mary hmm. Kayla Tourneau, who was 34, she was having sex with her grade student, Billy Student, right. I remember that. And she got pregnant by him as well. And she served time. She was in jail for like seven and a half years. And if I remember correctly, they let her out or something, or initially she was uh, not put in jail. She wasn't supposed to see him, but they got together again. She got pregnant a second time. So she did hard time. And while she was in jail, he and his mother were raising the babies that she had. They ultimately married, and eventually, you know, they separated, whatever. She died of cancer, but she left her entire estate to this kid. Yeah, you know, what's fascinating about this to me also is, to me, I look at this from a different perspective, probably because I'm jaded politically, but uh, you you raise a good point. And to me, I think, you know, back in the days, you you would rob people in New York City and they put you in jail, or you'd rob people in Chicago and they put you in jail. But that's not the case anymore because you have these prosecutors that refuse to do these things. And... It seems to me that's the same thing they're doing here. You have a prosecutor that lowers the charge in a plea arrangement to a charge where there's no jail time. And, and that's what the same thing we see in New York, where, you know, they've eliminated cash bail for charges up to and including attempted murder. Right. So if you do actual murder, then, you know, they, they'll hold you. But if, if it's just attempted murder, you can be back on the street in 15 minutes. And, and I think, you know, is this the result of something like that? Something tells me yes. And I feel like there's. There's an erosion going on in our society, in our legal system, in our culture, all of the above, where this type of thing can happen. It's like a hypersexualized notion. It's like just do what you want. If it feels good, go for it. It's okay. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters. There's no boundaries. Even the law doesn't matter. And maybe I'm being hyperbolic, but that's how I feel. When I read a story like this, I think I agree with the mother, and I agree with you. I think there's so many things at play here that just they 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 – they uh, they stink. <laughs> These things stink to me, and I think this is a bad thing, Sue. 
Well, you know, the, 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 the morality is just gone. There's no morality anymore. There's no common sense right and wrong. I was just seeing on TV today where they have some show where people slap each other and, and like, and all this stuff. <laughs> I, you know, do they do it with a tortilla? The, no, they slap with, they stand there and they slap somebody with their hand until they like, like until one of them gets knocked out. I mean, what the oh, hell? Yeah. You know, what's, you know, what's happening? You know, like there's no such thing as right and wrong anymore. There's no, uh, you know, I mean, they say that right and wrong, you know, isn't relative, that, that it's absolute, but you know, it doesn't seem that way anymore. You're right. Well, I appreciate your thoughts on that. And speaking of right and wrong, we, uh, we've got, you know, was it right or wrong for Dr. Anthony Fauci to say the coronavirus came from a bat? It came from bats. It came from bats. That was uh, Anthony Fauci, right? Saying everything came from bats, the bat soup, the Wuhan wet market, X, Y, and Z. We all bought it hook, line, and sinker, only to think that the conspiracy theorists were wrong. Turns out they were all right. So we're scheduled to have Dr. Stephen Quay with us next. Let's see what happens. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. I am Rich Valdez. You're listening to America at Night. city that never sleeps 17 miles from madison square garden new york city it's america at night with rich valdez america's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across america and now here is your host rich valdez Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, and that's with an S, by the way. And um, we are talking about a bunch of things tonight. We've talked about this this craziness with um, these child molesters that are getting away with murder. We've talked about um, the the effect of um, the speeches at CPAC, and we talked about how the Department of Energy has concluded that the, of all places, the Department of Energy <laughs> has concluded that the lab leak theory was in fact accurate. Now, uh, in the past on this program, we've had Dr. Stephen Quay. He's the author of Stay Safe, A Physician's Guide to Surviving Coronavirus. And Dr. Quay is going to join us tonight to help us understand what's going on and how he was actually right when he first said that it's very likely and all the evidence is pointing towards uh, an unintentional lab leak. Now, I was a little bit more skeptical on the unintentional part, but uh, he's the one that's an MD, PhD, not me. So let's bring him back on. Dr. Stephen Quay, welcome to the program, sir. Hey, Rich. It's great to be back. Yes, sir. So let's uh, let's talk about this. So looks like you were right all along. The, this was a lab leak, and that's what people were surmising back then. But if you said it back then, many were criticized or ridiculed as a conspiracy theorist. And Dr. Fauci was supposed to be, you know, the, the best thing since sliced bread when it came to epidemiology and being America's top doc. Looks like he had it all wrong because he said it was from bat soup and bats in the wet market. Yeah, I mean, we've... <laughs> It's been a quite a saga over three years, but um, if you stick to the scientific evidence, you try to put blinders on with respect to what people are saying politically, um, it's really obvious 
not come from a market, uh, that it, it, it's not a natural virus, that it has signs of, of engineering. Um, and that's been the case, and nothing has changed because the evidence doesn't change. It's in the genome. Right. Now, I'm looking at the, um, the, the Wall Street Journal's report on this and, uh, and your input on it. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, uh, it's interesting how the, the lethality of this had such a high percentage, or at least it seems high to me. Um, wh- wh- what's the story behind that? Is that all due to the gain-of-function research, or was this actually that deadly of a virus? Well, I think let me separate it for you because um, unfortunately, there are a lot there are a lot of viruses that are more lethal than SARS-CoV-2, despite its its immense impact uh, in that mm-hmm. in that particular area. But it was a, it ended up about being about one percent lethal. Um, what it also but what it had that was probably more important was this incredible ability to spread from human to human and also spread asymptomatically. So, um, again, the, the science teaches you anytime a new virus encounters a human, it stumbles. It doesn't know how to deal with it. And so we have symptoms. So the, the, the medical school teaching is new respiratory virus, many, many symptoms because it doesn't know how to hide itself. This thing, 40% were asymptomatic, and that's one of the five or six major points on how it was trained in a laboratory to deal with the human immune system before it ever, it ever uh, escaped accidentally. Wow. So that's interesting. So it seems that the the bigger uh, nefarious part of this virus that it was it was engineered to be something where you had it and didn't know you had it. Well, uh, that is um, that is part of the testimony I gave in Congress, um, actually, specifically in the in the uh, Senate this last uh, August. Mm-hmm. Uh, with a uh, with a hearings that uh, Dr. Uh, I'm sorry, the Senator Paul. Well, it is he is a doctor, so Senator Dr. Mm-hmm. Paul uh, chaired. But um, yes, there's a particular protein in the virus. It doesn't end up in the virus that gets spread. It actually it doesn't stay in the cell. Doesn't help make uh, you know new new viruses. It goes into your bloodstream and it does two things. It shuts down your immune response at the beginning. And it makes it difficult to make antibodies on the back end. So the, the poster child of a, a virus that stops you from making antibodies is HIV. And that's one of the reasons we can't vaccinate. That's one of the reasons the chronic infection. It, it turns down your immune system. This has features of that um, in its engineered portion. So, but the front end is, is equally important. So making it asymptomatic is basically turning off the interferon response. So uh, just a, a little bit of science, if that's okay. So uh, 30, 40,000 sure. years ago, of course, we didn't have doctors. We had shamans and everything else. But so what happened was the the body uh, put out symptoms of illness, fever, sweating, chills, red face, and that sort of thing. And, and we knew that that person should be put away. They should have their own tent, you know, 100 yards from the rest of the tribe. Um, that, that innate immune process is actually not, not a virus, but it's your own body telling your neighbors, hey, I'm sick, stay away from me. If you turn that off, then you make an infection that, uh, that doesn't produce fevers, doesn't produce sweats, chills, those sorts of things. This virus did not produce symptoms in 40% of the patients. So we went several months before this was known, and that's how it blew out of the hospitals. It blew out of China all over the world. Wow. Now, you you mentioned that the virus uh, mimicked in some ways, at least on the back end, uh, the HIV virus. Um, 
Is it your assessment or common knowledge that that's also a virus that was engineered to be very contagious? No, I, I no. HIV is a is a, a poster child of a natural virus um, that um, you know its it, its intermediate host was uh, was primates, uh, non-human primates, and it jumped into the humans. But um, it, because it has this ability to tamp down to it's uh, how do I say this? Okay, so when you have uh, when you have a new virus infection, there's a whole machinery that pre- presents parts of the virus to your immune system to say, hey, look at this piece I found. Your immune cell says your immune system. Here's a piece of something that's not foreign. Make antibodies against it. Makes T cells to kill it, and that uh, is called MHC presentation. And so most viruses do that, and then your body makes antibodies, and you make a really strong immune response. And and a lot of times you'll get a virus once in your lifetime. You'll never get it again because your response is so strong. Uh, HIV HIV was the first one that really turned that off in a very big way. Taught us all this 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 new capability of of a natural virus, which is to suppress the immune response. But I think I think if you look if you look now that the fact that you can get SARS-CoV-2 and then six months later you can get it again and six months later you can get it again, this this pattern is part of the hallmark uh, of this kind of behavior. Gotcha. All right. I mean, I think I got you on that one. <laughs> so it looks like they studied the HIV uh, on in terms of how to turn off that immune response and use that coding to create the SARS-CoV-2. Does that make more sense? I would say it a little bit differently because I, you know, I'm 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 stuck with being <laughs> a, yeah. sci- a nerdy scientist. But so um, there, there's no similarity between the protein in SARS and that same function in HIV. The properties are the same. So um, gotcha. for three or four years, let's talk of 2015, 2018, Wuhan Institute of Virology was studying this protein called ORF8, uh, which is the one that goes into the bloodstream and turns this off. They were studying it. Uh, there's a PhD thesis in Chinese of a scientist who spent you know, their whole PhD just focusing on this one protein um, that you know, do, does this very unusual thing of, of turning down the immune system. So they used the, the observation of what HIV did, uh, and then they, they translated it into a coronavirus uh, form. All right. That makes more sense. Not too nerdy at all. All right, folks, we're on with Dr. Stephen Quay. You can check him out at drquay.com. He's the author of Stay Safe, a physician's guide to survive coronavirus. Uh, We're going to continue with Dr. Quay, plus your calls, 833-4-VALDEZ. If you have a question for him, give us a call, 833-4-VALDEZ. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. is night. This is Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, and our guest is Dr. Stephen Quay. He's the author of Stay Safe, A Physician's Guide to Survive Coronavirus. And you could uh, check out Dr. Quay at drquay.com. That's D-R-Q-U-A-Y.com. Now, Dr. Stephen Quay, we're discussing uh, 
the uh, the fact that you were right, I think we had you on, it was, had to be August or so, or maybe a little bit before that, where we were talking about, probably around the time of your testimony, where you were discussing how you believed that this was a lab leak, you believed it was unintentional at the time that that wasn't really corroborated by any government agencies. Now, of all places, the Department of Energy uh, has uh, come out with an assessment that COVID-19 most likely emerged due to a laboratory leak incident in China. And um, despite them saying they have low confidence in this determination, um, that's what they've said. Now, um, I understand that this assessment that they've come out with is part of a a broader effort in which intelligence agencies were asked to provide the Biden administration uh, with their their assessment of the origins of coronavirus. Uh, But do you have a better answer than the one that I've seen online or wherever I can go where uh, why is it the Department of Energy of all places that's weighing in on this? Oh, um, you know, I don't have an answer for that, but I have some thoughts on that, if I could. Sure. <clears throat> I think a lot of people don't realize the Department of Energy uh, has been charged for the longest time with looking into radiation-related, uh, either nefarious or you know, ac- you know, leaks of various kinds or or activity and trafficking. So they they are they are are good at investigating these kinds of things. Where, uh, for example, with radiation, a very small amount of a particular material can have devastating effects if you're if you move it around the world and put it into a bomb or something. So they have these capabilities. Uh, it may not be widely known that in fact they also are largely in charge with the Lawrence Livermore Laboratory um, that's out near the Berkeley campus in California. Uh, And they have a huge uh, uh, cadre of biological scientists um, that that do do this kind of work. I mean, um, the the first thing I thought of when I saw that they were the ones coming out with this was uh, a paper that was written in 2013. So how long ago was that? A long time ago. from Lawrence Livermore Lab, the Department of Energy Lab, um, where some scientists had a cow coronavirus, so a coronavirus that infects cows, and they said they came in one morning and said, "Hey, what, what would happen if we tried to make this, you know, infect humans?" So, so they put some human cells in a in a dish, and they put the cow virus in with the human cells, and they did what's called serial passage, which is you, you know, you put, you know, five drops of the virus into the cells. You, you wait a couple of days, only a few of them can reproduce in the humans, but you take the, the few that do and you, you do it again. It's called serial passage. And they found, well, three or four passages and in the, in the, this cow virus could grow really well in human cells. And then they said, well, what changed? And, and, and they looked and they said, well, my gosh, it's acquired what's called a furin cleavage site, which is a, uh, it's a spot on the surface of the virus. That spot is recognized by the human cells, and the human cells make a little cut, like a pair of scissors. And when the spike protein is cut that way, it can really affect you know, human cells in a big way. So my next question was, well, when SARS-CoV-2 appeared in January 2020, we had the sequence and we put it into our, you know, our software. The first thing that pops out is, this has a furin cleavage site. So my next question was, well, I wonder if those nine scientists at the Lawrence Livermore, you know, called their, their, their head folks at the DOE or Dr. Fauci or somebody and said, hey, you know, we did an experiment. <laughs> we did a gain-of-function experiment in the laboratory taking a cow virus, making a human virus, and it acquired a furin cleavage site, and this virus has a furin cleavage site, so maybe you should check that out. Interesting. So this, this furin cleavage site, this is um, something that is produced 
uh, specifically from the spike protein from the coronavirus? So, so uh, again, viruses have a lot in common, and then they have differences, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're like humans, you know, different races, et cetera. So uh, HIV, Ebola, influenza all have this thing called a furin cleavage site, which is a way that it's sort of like two-step authentication. So the first step is uh-huh. these viruses bind to something on the cell surface. So that's step one. That says I'm near a cell that I can infect. And step two is if, the, if it's a human cell, then the human has this furin, the spike has a furin cleavage site. And so when that gets clipped, the virus knows, hey, this is a cell that I know how to infect. So two-step authentication, binding and then cleavage. So the, the SARS virus is about 1,000 years old, so it's split from its it's other viruses when when William was coming over from France into the UK and you know 1066 uh, William the Conqueror. So so for a thousand years this class of viruses has never had a furin cleavage site. And so um, yeah, I mean as I said they appear in HIV and Ebola and influenza, but not in SARS one or in MERS or in the other uh, human you know coronaviruses that are like this. So. When you see something that hasn't happened in a thousand years, you immediately say, wow, that's very interesting. And then if you know for a fact that you can actually cause that to appear uh, through serial passage in the laboratory, then you, I mean, you, it's pretty easy to make one and one equal two. Yeah. Wow. Uh, good thing we got you to explain it. I would have lost that one. <laughs> Folks, we're on with Dr. Stephen Quay. DrQuay.com is his website. He's the author of Stay Safe, A Physician's Guide to survive coronavirus. So we, uh, we've we determined, um, in, in addition to all of um, everything you've taught us tonight about the mechanics uh, of these viruses and the similarities and differences, uh, that it, it was, in fact, a lab leak. What, what are, I guess, the best practices in the couple of minutes that we have remaining uh, to prevent this from happening again? Of course, I'm radical. I would say, uh, let's not do this game of fun- gain-of-function research. That's one way of avoiding it. But what's a more uh, clinical or technical way to, to prevent this from happening again? Well, Rich, this may surprise you, but I'm, I'm completely on board with you of stopping this gain-of-function research because oh, uh, looking at 20 <laughs> years of it, it hasn't actually contributed. But having said that, I'm always I'm always solution oriented, not just, you know, throwing flags up. If if this research were controlled by what's called an institutional review board. So I've invented seven drugs that are FDA approved. So if I do any human testing, I have to explain my research to uh, to non-physicians, to, you know, clergy and, 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 and lay people from the community basically saying, Here's what I want to do. Here's why I want to do it. Here's the risk to the humans. Here's the potential benefit of the humans. And get permission to do that research. If these scientists had to explain to their neighbors or the people in the grocery store that why they think it's so important to do this gain-of-function research, I could probably sleep better at night. Right. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And, and Doc, uh, so, let everybody so that's know. What I'm, so that's what mm-hmm. I'm pushing in Congress. Yeah, that, that's what well, I'm pushing in Congress to, to, push to, to have them make the changes. Yes. I agree. And, and, and again, if, if we could get rid of it all together and if it's not producing anything uh, of value to, to the overall body of work, um, yeah, great. Who needs it, right? It, it's clearly more of a liability than it is a benefit. Now, tell everybody uh, where they could get a copy of your book. Well, it's uh, it's available now. It's Again, it was written in, I want to say, June 2020, before there was a vaccine for anything. Chapter 5 talks about why the vaccines will never be very effective. That was kind of, I'm kind of proud of that chapter. But um, <laughs> uh, the, the book is primarily 
for primarily for people who are in the midst of a, of a coronavirus pandemic. So, I mean, you can buy the book, but it's not it's not you know relevant right now to your life. And so, I mean, just know that it's there. It's on my website, drquay.com. All right. Well, Dr. Quay, I thank you for being with us live and late night. It's always a pleasure, sir. All right. I think we lost him. All right. More to come straight ahead. We are going to continue our conversation. We're going to talk about everything under the sun with Craig Bannister from CNS News. Don't go anywhere. It's America at Night with me, Rich Valdez. to you, Rich, all the time. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. It's Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And uh, there's a lot of things to talk about. I want to get to the bottom of so many of them. I want to talk a little bit about ESG. I want to talk about um, just really a bunch of things here because uh, Walmart's closing some stores, and uh, it seems like they've closed their last store in Portland, Oregon, following their CEO's warning about the effects of continued crime, which is rampaging across uh, across that state in particular. And um, to discuss that and a couple of other topics, I want to bring in Craig Bannister. He's from CNS News. You know, they're from the uh, Media Research Council family. Craig Bannister, welcome to the program, sir. Yes, good evening. So let's talk about your piece here uh, about Walmart closing their stores in Portland because of crime. Well, uh, yes. So uh, uh, you probably saw it coming because uh, back in uh, in December, uh, the CEO of Walmart uh, warned that that's what was going to happen uh, if uh, these uh, big cities and their uh, uh, soft on crime. Uh, <laughs> Uh, prosecutors uh, continued to look the other way. Um, it's basically, um, it's costing the stores too much to stay in business. And by, by cost, I mean the, the vandalism, uh, the rampant theft, uh, at, to the point where they just can't absorb it anymore. And so um, the last two uh, uh Walmart's in in Portland have, have closed now. Uh, that's uh, that's also uh, uh, not uh, not restricted to just uh, Portland, as you know. Uh, uh, a lot of the major cities have the same problems. Um, recently, um, uh, well, uh, uh, in December, um, a number of them got together at, at Target, um, Home Depot. Uh, and uh, sent a letter to Congress uh, begging them to uh, find some way to um, uh, in, increase and improve law enforcement um, and stop uh, stop coddling uh, criminals. Yeah, clearly. When you have a pro-crime progressive movement that won't put bad guys in jail or hold them on bail and let them right back out, they just commit more crime. Exactly, and as as you've seen, you know this this also. Uh, I think that probably the best example of this is uh, is California and this uh, this proposition that they um, that they passed, where I think it's uh, uh, 
is it $950? You can steal up to $950. Right. right. Don't go over that amount and you're good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, but I mean, it's worse than that because if you read the, the fine print there, uh, it's $950 per day per visit. So in oh, theory, wow. you could, you could load up the van, uh, drive it back to your warehouse, empty it out, come back and get another uh, nine hundred and fifty. <laughs> $50 worth of stuff. And, uh, I guess the, um, the, the smart criminal is, uh, is checking the ads for sales because if there's something that you want, that's $1,100 and uh, they're having a, <laughs> they're having a sale and it's only seven fifty. Well, then uh, that's the time to, <laughs> that's the time to strike. Yeah, I, I would agree. And, and it's, it seems like it's almost like they're creating a system just to allow people to rob everybody blind so that they don't have to prosecute people. Why would they do such a thing? Well, uh, as uh, I'm, I'm sure you've mentioned on, on your show in the past, uh, uh, you have a lot of uh, these um, <laughs> these attorneys uh, being supported by uh, George Soros uh, in their campaigns, uh, to get them in and, uh, to basically disrupt the system. Um, and that's where a lot of these soft on crime, uh, 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 prosecutors, uh, attorneys, uh, are, are coming from. But, uh, but this, this also goes back to, if you remember the, um, uh, the riots in, uh, was it, uh, 2020, uh, where else? When before in, in in American history could you could, could a group actually surround and take over a government building, uh, and and not uh, not face uh, a swift and uh, decisive uh, pushback from um, from law enforcement or these, yeah, these chop zones where they were able to to just occupy uh, city blocks. Um, and nothing was being done about it. Uh, so I, uh, yes, I mean, of course, what happened with George Floyd, uh, was, was awful, but there still has to be a, a, a rule of law. Uh, if you recall the, the, um, the businesses that were getting looted and ransacked, uh, were owned by the very minorities that, uh, Antifa and BLMs uh, were supposedly uh, protesting uh, in order to protect. Isn't that insane? It's like they're just legalizing insanity. Folks, we're on with Craig Bannister. He's the, the blog editor at CNSNews.com. Now, Craig, tell us about CNS News and what makes you guys so unique. Okay, well, uh, CNS News... Uh, it is the news division of the Media Research Center, which was founded by uh, Brent Bozell. Um, and uh, the other divisions, uh, and, uh, and this is uh, particularly unique, um, uh, they are dedicated to finding uh, and documenting and exposing uh, uh, bias in the, um, in the liberal media. Uh, that the so-called uh, legacy or mainstream media, uh, and that 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 uh, entails uh, uh, reporting on 
not just how people are being misinformed by the the media, but also how they're being kept from hearing things. Um, if if you recall, remember the Hunter Biden laptop that that uh, oh, yeah. so many many major media uh, simply refused to report on. So there there's news that is that is underreported. Uh, and there's news that's um, misreported in the in the media, and uh, the other divisions, such as Newsbusters um, and Free Speech America, which now is uh, looking at uh, uh, the censorship uh, in social media. Um, but uh, CNS News is the one true news division dedicated uh, to providing people with uh, accurate, important news. Uh, and albeit it's a conservative organization, you're going to see a conservative editorial uh, viewpoint, but it's it's the effort to do news as it should be done or as at one time, uh, you know, it has been done in this country. Outstanding. Well, Craig, I want to thank you for bringing us up to speed on what's going on with Walmart and with everything you guys are doing at CNS News. Let everybody know how they could find additional articles on everything that you guys are covering. Uh, well, that would be at cnsnews.com. As, as you mentioned, I'm the, uh, uh, I'm the blog editor, but we also have uh, information, stories um, across the uh, spectrum of important uh, national and international news, um, D.C. in particular. Um, uh, we've got uh, extensive coverage right now of, uh, of CPAC and uh, the goings-on there over this past weekend, especially when uh, Donald Trump spoke. Um, and uh, there is, a, there is, as I said, there, there is a range of news. I'm the, the blog editor, so I'm looking at some things that... Uh, uh, stories that tend to to fall through the cracks, I think, with uh, with most uh, with most of the media. They, as you said, there's there's the Walmart story, but there's also this whole ESG movement uh, that really is going underreported. This uh, environmental social governance movement, where you have um, businesses now undertaking uh, to impose this uh, ES, this liberal ESG agenda uh, through banks and um, and asset managers that that are managing the money of uh, retirement and pension funds uh, and they're denying funds to for example uh, traditional uh, oil and gas uh, sources of energy while, uh, providing loans or investing in green causes. Uh, I'm mm -hmm. working on a piece right now. Uh, I had reported uh, a week or so ago about uh, uh, AXA um, investment managers, a global uh, investment firm uh, that is managing uh, billions of dollars, and uh, they have begun giving incentives uh, to their executives to divest from non-ESG causes um, and invest in things that would promote a social agenda or a green agenda. And now, uh, just uh, today, it's, it's been uh, found that uh, 
the Royal Bank of Canada has now put out a, a, uh, a report, a strategic plan, saying they're going to be doing the same thing. So they're, they're basically bribing uh, their employees to invest in less profitable uh, causes, ventures, um, businesses, uh, which is costing people uh, in, in terms of their, their retirement account values. Uh, when, uh, as mm-hmm. especially in the U.S., uh, asset managers, uh, according to ERISA law, they have a, what's called a fiduciary responsibility to base their investment decisions solely upon their clients' uh, profitability, uh, solely in terms of uh, enhancing the, the value of the retirement accounts. Uh, the Biden administration uh, just put out a rule saying that, no, now they can also take into account uh, ESG ideology when, um, when making investments. Uh, the ESG movement, uh, you, you don't hear a lot uh, about it in the mainstream media, but there are states now taking up the cause um, to, to, to try and uh, uh, ensure that uh, asset managers and investment uh, funds aren't uh, violating their fiduciary responsibilities. Um, and this is something they have to stay on top of because if we allow it to, to continue to grow, and it seems like it's grown at, at a pace where all of these big companies are have embraced ESG and others are, in, you know, um, kind of spearheading the effort to bring it into more and more of the topic. Anyway, thank you, Craig Bannister. I appreciate it. Everybody, check out uh, Craig's uh, articles at cnsnews.com. He's the blog editor at cnsnews.com. Craig Bannister, I appreciate you being here with us tonight. Thanks a lot. You bet. More to come straight ahead. Our, uh, your calls and more, 833-482-5337. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. I wanted to, speaking of ESG, right, which has really been pioneered uh, by by the Chinese credit score model, where they kind of, you know, give you the score on on many different things and allow you to travel and allow you to do a million different things um, based on that score. It seems like the Chinese are absolutely everywhere. Now, I remember uh, it, it around Thanksgiving, you know, in the beginning of the winter, there was talk about um, the Chinese operating their own police stations here in the U.S. And I wanted to talk about it, and it just seems it keeps coming up in the news. So I want you to listen to this clip of audio because this to me is just crazy. Check this out. This innocent-looking building that you see behind me house an unauthorized secret police station linked to the Chinese Communist Party. The nonprofit Safeguard Defenders discovered over 100 of these illegal police stations around the world, including at least two more on United States soil. 
They're connected to Operation Fox Hunt and the CCP's campaign of transnational repression, which is a terrifying threat to Chinese Americans, to other CCP targets, and to American sovereignty itself. So let me run some quotes by you. Quote, if you're willing to go back to the mainland and spend 10 years in prison, your wife and children will be all right. Quote, post more and I will chop your bastard hands off. Quote, two options, return to China promptly or commit suicide. These are actual quotes that CCP agents have said to people here on American soil, according to the Department of Justice and FBI investigations. And I know we have some people here today that weren't just threatened with words, but were actually attacked by CCP thugs four years ago. And they got the photos to prove it. Now, this is from a protest, uh, uh, from a recent protest, uh, but it's it's nothing new, even though it keeps happening. Um, now, I'm looking at a piece here. Uh, Radio Free Asia, RFA.org. Chinese state security. Right. So this is Chinese police targeting a U.S. based woman who signed a critical petition. Right. So she this petition was critical of China on the website change.org. These Chinese state security officials were targeting this U.S.-based Chinese national after she signed a petition that was critical of the Communist Party and its leader, Xi Jinping, on the website change.org, raising questions over how they managed to get a hold of her personal details. And this is what Radio Free America has learned, that this U.S.-based woman uh, only gave a nickname, yet they still found out who she was. So their question is, did they hack Radio Free America. I mean, did they cha- did they hack change.org? Uh, there's a lot of questions in this article, so we're going to continue that straight ahead. But I'm curious to know your thoughts. Should China be operating police departments, secret police stations in the United States? You let me know. 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. So should the CCP, Chinese Communist Party, be investigating Chinese nationals that are here in the United States because they signed a petition that was critical of Xi Jinping, the communist leader? I don't think so. (laughs) I mean, to me, it's a resounding no, but let's check out what the callers have to say. Let's go to Kevin in Rolla, Montana, KTTR. Kevin, go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Thank you very much, Rich. I hope all is going well tonight. Amen. Thank God. Uh, <laughs> thank God, indeed. Uh, my first statement to the to the Chinese, the secret Chinese police stations, I, I say, hell no, they should not be operating secret mm-hmm. Chinese police stations. And also my question to that is, does it have anything to coincide with, uh, with the land grabs that the Chinese have been doing around the nation, especially close to our military installations and everything? Listen, brother, you're 100 percent right, in my opinion. I agree with you. Um, to me, this is 
And the clearest thing, right? They're they're scooping up real estate. They're scooping up farmlands. They're they're hoarding food. They have control over food. This is a a multi pronged attack. And because we're so used to conventional warfare, as long as we don't see a Chinese tank coming down our block, we're like, oh, we're not at war. We are at war. And I I get the sense that they're doing better than we think they're doing, because Joe Biden's asleep at the wheel. Excellent call. Great commentary, Kevin. I appreciate it. From Rolla, Montana on KTTR, we've got the rest of your calls coming straight ahead. I see we've got calls coming in from all over the country. It's Open Phone America coming up. You're going to sound off right here live and national. Our phone number is 833-482-5337. I'm looking forward to speaking with you. This is America at Night. I am Rich Valdez. Coming right back. city that never sleeps 17 miles from madison square garden new york city it's america at night with rich valdez america's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across america and now here is your host rich valdez Hi there. Good evening and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez. Our number three live and national. Our phone number is 833-482-5337. Again, our legacy line, 866-505-4626-833, the number four, and my last name, Valdez, V-A-L-D-E-S. My pleasure to be with you. What an amazing weekend we had. We were uh, doing the broadcast from CPAC on Friday. And I was in D.C. through the weekend, and I'm back. It's great to be back with you. Uh, my panel with Mercedes Schlapp that we kind of introduced last Monday was uh, a conversation that she and I had um, regarding the success of uh, voter outreach amongst um, various minorities, including Hispanics, and uh, during the Trump administration and it was a really interesting uh, topic of conversation, and maybe we'll get into that a little bit later. But there's an article here, insider.com. Listen to it. This is a really good one. China has banned women from modeling lingerie on online shopping live streams. So guess who's not banned from modeling it? Men, right? Men are actually modeling lingerie on live streams for women. Now, this is the craziest thing, right? Because when Disney has the uh, pro-LGBTQ plus uh, films, they don't even market them in China because that's not supported. Uh, however, you look at this website, and I'll, I will uh, share this story on social media so you could see it, at Rich Valdez with an S uh, on all of the social media. Uh, I really want you to see it. But it, it's fascinating. It's fascinating to see these men wearing... Uh, lingerie, modeling the lingerie because women are prevented from doing it. So the live stream shopping scene is a booming industry that's projected to be worth more than $700 billion uh, by this year, according to Statista. I hope I said that right. The industry is said to account for about 10% of the country's e-commerce revenue, and that's according to McKinsey. And live streams featuring females 
that are modeling lingerie have had a history of being promptly shut down and banned as a result of China's law against spreading obscene material online. So to work around the ban, some of the businesses have already started hiring male models to flaunt women's lingerie on one of the first broadcasts, which was held just uh, about a month ago. <laughs> That's funny. This is, China just doesn't uh, cease to amaze me. Some of the um, folks that have uh, been doing this, dodging the loophole, they say, you know, if a guy wears it, it's better than a girl because then you don't, you know, you don't get in trouble is what they're saying. So I'm, I'm wondering... Um, Imagine if Victoria's Secret tried that, right? Or back when I was in high school, Fredericks of Hollywood. <laughs> Imagine if they were like, well, look, we, we no longer allow this women, uh, women to model this attire, so uh, it's going to have to be men. It, it just it boggles the mind. And if you look at this, it looks like these guys are dressed in drag. Anyway, I, I, uh, I, I can't wait to, um, to get the reaction from the audience on this. Give me a call uh, with th- this particular um, a topic. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it or anything else we've talked about this evening. And we've talked about the lab leak theory and we've talked about Trump at CPAC and we talked about um, the um, Walmarts that are shutting down and ESG theory. And now we're talking about China. But the phone number 833, the number four Valdez, 833-4-V-A-L-D-E-S or 833-482-5337. Uh, And remember, we're live. So uh, if you call in now, you get on the air now, which is kind of cool. We've got a couple of people holding. Let's go to Todd in Atlanta on WGKA, Atlanta, Georgia. Todd, what's up? You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. Hey, uh, good evening. Yeah, I was calling about the uh, China stories. And, Mm -hmm. um, you you know, um, if you can't trust communists, who can you trust, right? Just ask Barack (laughs) Obama or, or Bernie Sanders. (laughs) You know? <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 I laugh it's, it, because it's it's uh, obviously funny, but it, it's you know you bring up such a point here. It's this is it seems like that's the only option we're given lately is the communist option. And I remember a time I don't know five years ago <laughs> where it wasn't cool to be a communist. It, it wasn't something that was celebrated. Yet here we are, and it seems to be such a uh, ingrained part of our culture. Why do you think that is? Well, I think it's, it gets uh, down to education. You know, um, the, the teachers' unions, you look at the history of that, um, and you look at what happened back in the 60s with the uh, you know, um, the Democratic students or whatever they were called, you know, the Chicago Fire, the Weather Underground. So it's uh, they've had a, a long time to, to spread this bacteria, this virus, you know, through our our culture and we're seeing the bitter fruit of it right now. And, um, you know, they've got these, uh, Chicom police stations in other countries, Holland, Ireland, I think Canada's got some. And, um, you know, should we be surprised? Just, just look at the president and, and, and his business dealings with Chinese energy companies and banks and, and, and look at, you know, companies like the NBA and, and, and Hollywood and everybody, Walmart, he's talking about Walmart. They know what's going on in Xinjiang province. They know what's happening to the Uyghurs. They know what's happening to the Tibetans. And they could care less because they're, they're making money, you know. So it's, it's, it's shocking, but, um, you know, you, you wonder who is actually going to stand up and do something about it. And there's very few. And, um, and, and the lab leak, you know, just that alone. Um, I, I, when I remember back, I remember two brave Chinese doctors back in October of 2019 that warned the world 
that this was going on. One was Dr. Lee, and I forget the other one's name, and they got paid in full from it by the, by the communists. And, you know, I think that President Xi, CCP, the PLA, they run their virology labs as well as they run their wet markets. And I know that some of the original cases came from the wet market, which was a stone throws away from the lab. And I can only imagine that's probably where they were getting their bats, right? And, um, <laughs> well, according to Dr. Quay, that whole thing was made up uh, as a cover-up, and that was Fauci's story. And uh, the whole thing really leaked because of the proximity of the market. They got infected, but not from the market. It was because the market was so close to the, the, the institute. And uh, the actual guys working on it were the ones that you know got infected with it and leaked it out because they couldn't even tell they were sick because this thing is so um, undetectable in many ways in 40% of the people. So, yeah, interesting point. Um, but thank you, Todd. I appreciate the call from Atlanta, Georgia, WGKA. Hope you'll call in again really soon. It was a pleasure talking to you. We're going to come to your calls and more straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. 833-THE-NUMBER-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. He's brown, he's bald, and he's breaking it down. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. It's Rich Valdez, and uh, we're just talking about a bunch of things. We talked about the communism, about ESG, about how uh, you can't be a woman and model lingerie. in China, but you can be a man and model it, which is fascinating to me. And um, we're going to get to your calls and more on that topic and more. 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ with an S. And you can check me out uh, on any of the social media, at Rich Valdez with an S at the end, as well as the podcast. If you miss any portion of the show or any of the interviews that we conduct here, Feel free to listen to the show whenever you feel like it, 100% free, 100% on demand. You can uh, go to richvaldezamericaatnight.com, richvaldezamericaatnight.com, and you can hear all of the old episodes, um, replay whatever you want of it, catch up on anything you may have missed, and you can uh, download it and save it for later and do whatever you want, subscribe to it, and you can also listen live there. So a lot of our listeners that, you know, maybe – they might listen to me every night on a particular station. Then all of a sudden, poof, I'm not there because there's a sporting event and they're carrying the sporting event on your local station. No problem. Oh, go to richvaldezamericaatnight.com and hit the listen live button and you're in. Ah, I just wanted to go to that guy who I said to hold on and he just disappeared. That's a shame. He was driving through uh, Kansas. Looking forward to speaking with him. Anyway. Let us uh, continue. So earlier today, I mentioned that Governor Chris Christie was um, uh, doing one of the Sunday shows, and he'd mentioned something about um, CPAC and uh, gave a reaction to it. And I gave you my paraphrase of it, but I want to give you 
the actual audio of what the governor said. And again, full disclosure, I was a member of Governor Christie's administration. I respect Governor Christie. I like him. I think he did uh, a decent job um, in in uh, better than decent. He was, he was a decent man and he did a very good job as governor. There were certain areas where I think a lot of people take exception, but I don't know that they understand all the entirety of the political climate in New Jersey. Uh, but there's areas that we're, we definitely could have improved. And, uh, you know, nobody's above reproach, but his commentary on CPAC, I think, was just off the mark. And I think he might have been misinformed on on what, you know, what he was given as uh, the source video for his reaction. Check this out. You saw the scenes at CPAC. That room was half full. Yeah. Okay. let's not pretend that CPAC is CPAC anymore. It's TPAC. Okay, it's Trump pack. It's not CPAC any longer. And only the most desperate people showed up at CPAC to even speak other than Trump um, or people within Trump's orbit. Um, the, the fact of what's going on here is the reason I think the rallies are not going on, Maggie, is not just because of the money, although I think that's a factor. I don't think the rallies would be nearly as big as they mm, were I, that, I, that is absolutely true. And it was true last year. That's true. What got him upset on January 6th? The crowd size. The crowd size. <laughs> what got him upset on January 20th? 2017, the crowd size. He measures that as an example of his own power and his own authority, and I don't think he has it anymore. Look, he is the front runner, there's no doubt. He's an, essentially an incumbent president running for renomination, not reelection, but renomination. And so, of course, he's the front runner right now and ahead in the polls, but there are lots of indicators here that he's not what he used to be in most respects you're talking about. And so we're going to see how that plays out. All right. So, uh, again, um, to my uh, former boss, Governor Christie, I have to say I disagree. He's not an incumbent president. That's just a reality. He's not an incumbent president. And that's why we're seeing any difference that you may be perceiving. I, every Trump rally I see is sold out. But whatever. Let's say he's doing them in rally in in arenas that hold, you know, 15,000 versus 30,000. Um, that's fine. When you were the sitting president, right, and by you I mean President Trump, um, when anyone, when one is a sitting president and they have a rally and you have the type of popularity that Trump has, clearly you're going to fill it up because you're the president. You've got the resources and all of the bully pulpit that goes along with being president. Now, that doesn't mean that he's not going to fill stadiums after the fact when he's uh, you know, um, president emeritus. No, that doesn't mean anything. But but it, I do think that you're going to lose some of that, right? Because there's other people that the media is not completely about you, right? We spend all day looking at funny clips of Joe El Baboso Biden. I have someone going to play shortly. So uh, when Trump was president, it was clips of Trump after Trump after Trump after Trump. Whether you liked them or you didn't like them, you were hearing about him either way because he was president and he was very eventful and there was lots to report. So I think to say that he, he's an incumbent president essentially I think is, is inaccurate. Um, I think he is a front runner for sure. He's president emeritus, absolutely. Uh, but to try and minimize the fact that he can still fill stadiums even if they're just slightly smaller than the ones he used to fill when he was a sitting president, I think that's a very unfair um, comparison. And to me, it, it just doesn't hold water. That's just my my take on that. Anyway, I want to continue with your calls and more. Let's go to Wilmington, Delaware, WDEL. Let's check in with my buddy, Doc. Hey, Doc, what's up? You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. 
Rich, I was going to, I was talking to your call screener, a wonderful young, young man. I was going to bring up communist China, but I'd rather speak up about President Trump, if you'll let me for a moment, Rich. Go right ahead, I couldn't sir. agree with you more. I couldn't agree with you more about, about President Trump. I am part of the Trump base here in Delaware, even though we're a blue state. We have a lot of Trump followers in Delaware. Over the line in Pennsylvania, 10 to 15 miles away from me, is total Trump country in southeastern Pennsylvania, Rich. Total Trump country. Mm-hmm. President Trump still has tens of millions of followers, Rich, all across this land. And this is what I'm saying to you right now. Whoever wants to get the nomination of the Republican Party has got to deal with and woo the Trump base. If they do not get that base, the Republicans lose. And this race is so bad for Joe Biden's performance, in my opinion, this 2024 race is the Republicans to lose. I want your thoughts on that, Rich. I agree with you. Uh, I, I think Republicans are, are, are well positioned to, uh, to do well. However, nothing's a given, right? Everybody's got to fight. They've got to fight like hell. I think that was Trump's line. You got to fight like hell. And uh, we can't, you know, um, Levin always taught me, he's like, you, you got to campaign like you're behind. And I, I, believe in, I believe in that. Because we can't ever, ever assume, Doc, that this thing is in the bag, that this is a, a done deal. No, it's not a done deal. Joe Biden could legitimately become president again. Now, some will push back and say, no, they're going to steal it. They're gonna, whatever. He could he could be he can get another four years. Right. Whether it's because you've got Mark Elias out there uh, suing different states to, to twist their arm into backdoor changing election laws, which I think they fixed in a lot of places. So it's harder to do, but it doesn't mean it's uh, it's it's been fixed everywhere. And. This to me is um, uh, one of the bigger problems when when Trump is saying it's rigged. Of course it's rigged. If you can have mail-in ballots that favor one candidate versus another uh, because of of the way that it was brought about in an unconstitutional manner that didn't go through the the state legislature but instead went through the the state uh, court, the Supreme Court or through a judge or whatever and what have you, uh, and it's inconsistent with the Constitution, we've got a problem. I mean, not 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 to mention the many, many multitudes of issues that they identified in other areas. So, yeah, I agree. There's a lot of problems here, there and, and other places. But um, Trump is well positioned right now with his straw poll at CPAC. I think it was 60 percent. Um, the next runner up was uh, Governor DeSantis at 20 percent. These are these are solid numbers when you're, you know, a year, year and a half out from the next election. I just think everybody's got to keep their their foot on the gas so that we don't lose momentum, Doc. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. Uh, let's go to Marcy in Camarillo, California, all the way on the other side of the country. Marcy on KVTA, great station. Marcy, what's going on? You're on with Rich Valdez. Welcome. We, we call it Mexifornia here. So, Mexifornia, all right. Mexifornia, yes. Um, uh, yeah, I had a, a. We were talking about uh, China, and there was a recent story uh, here about um, uh, they were shipping uh, some group uh, from China had a huge uh, number of turtles, like uh, several thousand. It was in the news, and they were shipping our turtles to China. Of course, they eat turtles there, but and it wouldn't have been the first time that they were stopped, I'm sure, um, but they were stopped this time. And so uh, it and, and Walmart used to, I, I believe they still do, sell turtles um, uh, in, uh, in China because they eat them there, so they sell them. But I think that because we've, we also send uh, cows and pigs 
to China, of course. Um, I think the idea that they have now is that they can just take whatever we have and nobody will care. And I think it's been going on and somebody actually stopped this. 100% right. It's been going on. They're, they're doing it with not only with the animals, they're doing it with food. And, and they're buying up farmland, and it's all for the same purpose. They want the control, and they want to hoard it for themselves. Uh, Marcy, thank you for your call. Excellent point. Keep calling. I appreciate it. More to come straight ahead. I'm Valdez. Valdez. That's Valdez with an S. All right, America, welcome back. It's Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. Uh, You heard the number. Give us a call. We're uh, allowing everyone to sound off and be heard as part of the national conversation here on our late night town hall live and national. And that's 8334-VALDEZ. We're talking about a lot of things here. And I want to just uh, bring something up here because we were talking about, what were we just talking about, Mr. Hinton? But why did we talk about the NBC story? How did we get to that? What was the segue there? I'm just trying to remember. I see. Okay. All right. Yeah, we were talking about China, and then we moved on to this other story. And he sent me a story, really interesting one. Um, from today, earlier today, New York Post, an ex-medical correspondent for an NBC affiliate station based in Los Angeles received no jail time after he pleaded no contest to asking a nine-year-old girl to send him a sexy and private nude photo. You heard that right. The doctor for NBC News said he wanted a nine-year-old girl to send him a nude. That's crazy. A nude photo. Dr. Bruce Hensel, 74 years old, apologized to the young victim. Look, I even get theme music. And he, he says to the victim's family and even hugged the father, who is an acquaintance of his, as he entered his plea agreement in an L.A. courtroom on Monday. He says, I'm terribly sorry for what happened. I've done everything I can I can to understand this isolated thing. He said when pleading no contest to one count of contacting a minor with the intent to commit a crime. The ex-doctor, uh, TV doctor for KNBC claimed he'd never done anything like this before. Yeah, right. That's what they all say. He's full of it. And he vowed never to do it again while speaking about his faith in God, according to the report. You don't just wake up one day when you're 74 and say, I want nudes from a nine-year-old girl. Come on, bro. Maybe if she's 15 and looks 30 and had a dress on and you met her at a nightclub because she had a fake ID, maybe I buy the story. But nine years old? Come on. You're disgusting, sir. I can't believe her dad hugged you. If I were her dad, I'd do a little more than hug this guy. This guy deserves... uh, deserves what every guy that asks nine-year-old girls uh, for for naked pictures should receive, right? Uh, Anyway, guess what? How much jail does this time get? This guy gets zero. He gets two years of probation. 
and uh, he's got to register as a sex offender. Sounds like the story we read a little bit earlier, right? Where the uh, the 31-year-old lady went ahead and uh, had sex with the guy, gets pregnant with the 13-year-old boy, and uh, that's it. She's good to go. She doesn't even go to jail. Same thing. She registers as a sex offender, and then that's it. At the time, he was working as the chief medical correspondent for the NBC station in L.A., as well as for one in New York. Oh, lucky me. We got a creep all over. He's a... He's a bi-coastal creep. Anyway, there's more about him here. I'm going to tweet all of these out in the in the break so that all these stories we're looking at. But this is this guy's a piece of work. Anyway, I, I wanna I wanna get your thoughts on this and a couple of other things because it, it seems to me that there is a uh, an attack on the world <laughs> with, with with when it comes to morality. But let's go to Martin in Hermitage, Pennsylvania, WPIC. Martin, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Hey, good evening. Listening to WPIC, one of your affiliates, actually uh, do a part-time show there. And I awesome. tell you what, the very, the very fabric of American uh, morals has been under attack forever. In fact, I've been saying this for a long time that there's, uh, and you're, you might laugh at me, but the satanic church in this country behind the scenes, and I've had a former Satanist on, has been basically trying to erode the rules of society, the norms of society. They want the age of consent to go down. They, they're they doing things that are not standard things in the 50s, 60s, all the way up until maybe even the 90s. And sadly, uh, if you look at television, I've always said Hollywood is a great way to kind of gauge what society accepts as norm. If you look before on regular TV, you would never see a butt. You would never see uh, certain body parts. And look at what's happening in Hollywood. Look at what's happening in this country, whether it's the way kids dress, whether it's that doctor that you were talking about. To ha- You know what's amazing? And, and I didn't catch the end of the story. Did he get jail time? Nope. Uh, probation, probation, and he's got to register as a sex offender. And I think you raise an important point here that we're letting more and more happen and we're doing less and less to stop it. And it's like an unending, it's an unending barrage of, of an attack on, on society, on humanity, on morality. And, and ultimately the people that pay the price are you and me and, and our kinfolk and those that come after us, like our children. Martin, I appreciate it. Good luck with the show. I appreciate you calling in. Let's continue our conversation. Uh, let's go to James in Danbury, Connecticut, WLAD. James, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Rich, how are you doing? Great topics tonight. I wanted Thank your you. thoughts on this. Walmart has apparently nationally suffered $3 billion worth of thievery this year. And I was watching some, something that kind of segued into that, saying that Amazon is going with cashierless stores, something that Walmart might be considering where you put in your card and it automatically has all your information, your credit card. So anything you walk out of the premises with, kind of like a media mart, will be charged to your card. And they're saying that that might just be the way of the future of stores. Well, listen, I think Amazon creates the way of the future in a lot of things because they're so big and so influential. However, I can say that I've never been to an Amazon store. I do buy on Amazon. I'm not one of those people that, you know, boycotts Amazon. I love it. You know, I, I forget sometimes that if I forget something at the grocery store, I can just pull out my phone and I can have it really fast. Matter of fact, I have an Alexa. I can just say, Alexa, do this, X, Y, and Z, buy this, and I'll have it the next day. So uh, I think it's 
incredibly convenient, and I really appreciate it. However, um, I also like Walmart, but I, I, I like a lot of these stores less and less uh, because they're because they're losing their humanity, right? Because you go and everything is a kiosk. And I was at a Walmart recently, and they, um, you know, they've got everything under the sun there. But it's almost like they they put these robot cashier things there for you to, you know, these self-service kiosks to make things easier or faster. And I used to use them there for a while. They were faster. But now it seems like when I go, there's always a problem. It doesn't read it right. You need the guy to come with the little swipe card, fix it, or the girl to come and swipe it and fix it and correct the issue for you so you can get out of there. And I think if I was online waiting on, you know, the regular cashier system, you know, I think I would have gotten in and out a lot faster. So for me, it's a matter of convenience. But I, I also think about, you know, uh, I saw a documentary years ago and they raised a good, really good point. And the point they raised was, remember the Iceman. And the Iceman was once a thing, right? A guy who would come and deliver a block of ice for your ice box, like they did in that TV show, The Honeymooners, that my parents used to watch. And that's not a thing anymore because now we have refrigerators and freezers that, that use refrigeration, and they work, you know, on electricity. We don't need a block of ice anymore. So that whole entire cottage industry of being the ice man, the ice delivery guy, that's not a thing anymore. So I think it's important to um, notice that technology does end certain jobs as it creates certain jobs. And I think these kiosks are replacing, you know, the uh, the personalized touch that we're used to when we go to check things out. I don't like it in the least. They did it at my local CVS. By the way, I'd love to interview the CEO of CVS, if that's possible. If you're you're listening, I'd love to talk to you because I think you got such a great business there, but there's so many little pitfalls and caveats that I think people are missing and uh, it could make it better. And one of them is, you know, make it an option if you want to have this kiosk, but don't force people. They literally have a girl at the cashier at the one near me that literally tells you she's not going to ring you up and points you down to the kiosk and she doesn't do anything. And she's at a register. And I'm thinking, why would you be at a, res- a register and then still tell somebody to go to the kiosk? It makes no sense to me. I left upset and I said, you know what? I'll probably buy more stuff online than come to CV- CVS again. And that's what I've done. But anyway, that's uh, where we are with that. So, yeah, James, I think the, the Walmart crime spree, uh, hopefully they can get it under control uh, by, you know, using a little bit of political power, just like the way they got Soros and all of his DAs in there by spending some money. You just got to get the right candidates to run against them, in my humble opinion. Thank you for the call from Danbury, Connecticut, WLAD, James. More to come straight ahead. Your calls and more. I am Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, welcome back. How's my hair? Terrific. All right, let's continue. Uh, we've got, let's see here. What were we just talking about? We're talking about a lot of things. One of the, the things that um, bothers me is not only that, you know, men are wearing lingerie in China and that and that people are getting off uh, scot-free on these cases, these uh, child abuse, child endangerment, child, um, you know, solicitation, uh, but is that that 
people seem to just be not be shocked anymore. We just seem to be like, eh, can't do nothing about it. Let me just keep going. And I think that's uh, it's an unfortunate play. And listen, I'm, I'm the first one. I suffer from that, too. You know, when I have my political arguments around Thanksgiving table or around any table, and it's my family, we do this all the time. Um, you know, I find myself often going, look, I can't do anything to change that. You know, next. And, and it, it's not necessarily fair. Uh, let's uh, continue with your calls before we run out of time. The Let's see. Let's see who's been on the longest here. And let's start there. Sarah, Bedford, Indiana, WBIW. Go right ahead. Uh, great show. You got great screeners. Uh, I was going to say with regards to Thank President you. Trump, the uh, left is trying to create a false narrative that Trump is pandering and his base are a fringe element of the Republican Party and that the Republican Party is going to hurt itself by pandering to them. Nothing can be further than the truth. Every conservative I've talked to is on fire for Trump. And, you know, the, the left does this. They try to shift the norm further and further to the left. And this is what they're doing with the Republicans. They're trying to create this narrative that Trump is some kind of extremist. NPR had some moderate conservative who was trashing Trump and saying that he didn't represent the Republican Party. And that is a narrative they would like conservatives to believe. But like I say, nothing could be further from the truth. Yep. I, I agree. This is a part of it's the only way they can do things is to beat the drum over and over and over again that we're going to indict him. We're going to indict him. And again, there's a lot of people out there that believe that he's going to get indicted. Uh, but that with respect to this indictment, just like the one that from a week ago where that woman was like, yeah, yeah, we can't wait to get him. We can't wait because we got to get him on something. You know, <laughs> um, I think they're going to continue to find people that are incredibly overzealous to prosecute Trump, where it's going to be clear that this is not something that's being done in a fair manner, but something that's done in a very um, biased manner against him. But yeah, Sarah, excellent point. I appreciate the call. Bedford, Indiana, WBIW. Let us uh, continue with Michael Pendleton, Oregon, KUMA. Michael, go right ahead, sir. Yes, uh, here is uh, good talking to you again. Uh, Likewise, sir. So, um, yes, I always enjoy talking with you. Um, yeah, you know, I was calling in on a couple things, Rich. Uh, my family has supported uh, President Trump. And, um, you know, I think uh, I heard the excerpts from his speech the other day um, and thought he gave a really good speech. Uh, and I wondered what you thought about the speech. I thought the speech was uh, as good as any other Trump speech I heard. Something that I think uh, was a takeaway for me was that Trump has definitely, you know, I remember him back up a little bit. I remember him once saying, you know, people saying, well, you have to be more presidential, sir. You have to use, you know, uh, better words (laughs) uh, or or words that are more presidential. And I remember him saying, I can be the most presidential guy up there. I can, I've got the best words. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I laughed because I thought it was so funny. But um, I really do think his announcement that he did a uh, live, uh, I think around nine thirty, ten o'clock, and we carried it live on this program when he announced for president. Um, I think every speech he's done, every rally he's done, he's been way more measured, way more somber in many ways, calmer, where he's really reaching people, I think. Uh, it's not so much bombast or all bombast all the time. He, you know, he gives you a little bit of that. He gives you a little humor, but he also brings the rest of that energy. And I think um, we saw a lot of that in, in this speech 
where he was, you know, really personifying what the movement was when he said, you know, I am your retribution. I, you know, I will be that guy that is there for you. I think that really came across. Uh, at least those are my thoughts, Michael. Uh, yeah. Well, I thought that was very good where he went to Ohio to where they had the tragic uh, train wreck, of course, and, uh, you know, supported, talked to the people there. Um, you know, I think I think that was great. Um, and, you know, like I said, uh, yeah, I've enjoyed his speeches. And I think he really, you know, addresses the issues that need to be addressed. Uh, the other thing, I, I don't want to take too much time. I know you have other callers, Rich, but mm-hmm. um, being in Oregon, I'm about 200 miles east of Portland. And, um, you know, I've had a lot of concerns, sadly, what's happened with Portland, Oregon. Of course, the sad news about Walmart. Um, I used to go to Portland a lot, Rich, and um, I don't go there as much now. Um, they have a lot of homeless um, issues there, a lot of, quite a homeless population. It's very sad. And, um, you know, the crime issues have increased there. And um, it's not the same Portland that I remember in the 70s and 80s. Um, You know, and so uh, once again, you know, that's very sad about what's happened with Walmart there. Oh, yeah, it's terrible. And uh, I'm I'm hoping that they'll consider, you know, being... uh, a part of uh, society again and not running away from the crime. And again, I'm not faulting them. I realize that this is something that was created and thrust upon them, you know, where you, where they're allowing people to rob you and telling the cops don't prosecute them unless it's this much money or whatever and whatnot. Yeah, you're right. The whole thing is, is uh, it stinks to high heaven. Anyway, Michael, thank you for your call. The producer's uh, in my ear telling me it's time to take a break. So we're going to do that. We're coming right back to the rest of your calls. Uh, we got calls from New York, calls from Atlanta and more. 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Welcome back. Let's continue and wrap this thing up. Let's go to Liz in Slingerlands, New York, WGDJ. Go right ahead. Hi, Rich. Thanks for taking my call. I wanted to really talk about how my Walmart is going to start that. You hand your credit card when you go in the door and it automatically charges your card. But I really would like to talk to you about, can you do a segment on the crime in our in our country? I am so upset. I mean, I, I read I read Fox um, online today, their news, and city after city after city. It's it's why can't we do something about this, Rich? Why why are why are they allowing this? You, you know, Liz, I don't know that it's we can't do something about it. I think it's that. The people that we've elected to be in charge won't do something about it, and they're intentionally not doing something about it. And it, it flies in the face of our con- conventional wisdom and our, our our thought processes. But the reality is um, they're trying to right a wrong 
with the people that are committing these crimes by not locking them up, by emptying out the jails. This is really what they feel is the best thing for our society. They just don't pay attention. And, you know, it's uh, they're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And lamentably, that's where we are. Uh, Thanks for your call, Liz. I appreciate it. Uh, I want to quickly check in with Eric. Eric uh, in Troy, New York, WGDJ as well. Great station. Go right ahead, Eric. You got about 30 seconds. Hi, Rich. I wanted to talk about the Save the Forest Atlanta movement in the way of a disclaimer. I'm a forest ecologist, a naturalist, and the president of Save the Forest New York. I thought we got a very interesting... Give me a call tomorrow on that because the music means they're kicking us both out of here. But uh, we're going to talk about Atlanta and the attack on the Atlanta cops uh, tomorrow. So this will be a good time to check in with that. Eric, thanks for the call. Everybody else, until the next time, hasta la próxima. Take care, good night, and God bless. It's America at Night with me, Rich Valdez. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.